10 seconds left. ECU was late getting a player on. Seven seconds left. Oh, my goodness. I can't gotta believe go, this. Gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. They've got to snap it. This is the last play of the game. Oh, Herring to the end zone. He's got two guys there. It is. Oh, it's broken up and intercepted by A&T. And that's the ball game. A&T knocks off East Carolina. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back from the city of Broad Shoulders. That's Chicago, right? I don't think so. Elders? I know. Windy City. Windy City, for sure. All right. Anyway, <laughs> we're here. It's it's Colin. It's Vito. It's Nate. It's Stieg. Live from Colin's house. Randomly in the middle of the afternoon. Um, I don't know why we're doing this. Shout out here. to everyone having the day off today. Oh, this or, is not a day off, sir. I don't know if you've noticed me clicking buttons here on oh, the laptop I, while we're waiting, but this is not a day off. I watched, uh, I finally watched uh, The Last Jedi. Finally finished that after about a year and a half. Really? What'd you think? It, what happens when you call Kyle Ren's a little. <laughs> yeah. No, family friendly show now. Family friendly. Uh, family friendly. There, there, uh, there's a great, a great Twitter that's at sad Kylo Ren. I mean, I went to Disney for Samantha's uh, birthday and we like did the character pictures and everything. I just started, I just kept making fun of the person dressed as Kylo Ren. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're going to cry? Oh, you're going to cry, huh? Oh, you poor thing. You're going to cry. <laughs> I'm know. sure they've never gotten that before either. <laughs> yeah, so probably not. I'm super original and everything. But welcome. This is the Bluminati Podcast presented by RP Electrical Solutions. For all your residential and commercial electrical needs, please give them a call at 813-949-2390. Hey, Nate, what's that number again? 813-949-2390. And RP Electrical Solutions, what do they do? They service all of your electrical needs, commercial and residential. So if... You know, you need fuse box blows up. They can fix it. They can put in fixtures. They'll they'll do everything for you. Um, all you have to do is buy the fixtures and they'll put it in. So let's say we were going to do a little film room here in a bit and in, in my living room. And we had two TVs that were like massive and huge and one sitting on a dining or on a folding table. That's a beer pong table. Son. A, that is a beer pong table. Watch out um, for the Bills Mafia there. They're uh, going to come through and break that thing. <laughs> they get to set it on fire first. <laughs> um, but like, yeah. So like, could they come in and like rewire all this stuff? So I don't have like three TVs stacked on top of each other. In Absolutely. Room right They'll now? make it look real pretty. Uh, I've seen some of their work. They've done work at my house and they do a fantastic job. That's RP Electrical Solutions at 813-949-2390 and find them on Facebook at RP Electrical Solutions, LLC. Hazel tough. Right. Excellent. So, Colin, you went to Chicago. I did. Everyone else stayed home because of reasons. Okay. Lame. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah, we yeah. all went, but uh, <laughs> Senator Giggity, who is not here because we did this a little earlier today, um, and so he couldn't make it, but uh, Senator Giggity went as well, brought his girlfriend um, but otherwise, yeah, I guess I'm the only one who went. And by the way, great job by me. Really dedicated to the journalism, the process that I have, you know, over this blog that I built up over seven and a half years. Didn't even think about taking a press pass. <laughs> Wasn't even <laughs> ever a consideration. Was never setting in the press box for this game. Wasn't going to happen. It, journalism. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I, USF gave me a press pass because uh, they just they sent they just got everyone a press pass that they thought might go. Right. And they handed it to me last week. I was like, oh, oh, so but I'll be in Cincinnati or Philadelphia. I'm deciding on which one. Go to Philly. I'm thinking I'm probably going to, gonna, I might, I might bring the family. 
go to Philly. Might I mean, actually, although um, one of my followers on Twitter, whose name escapes me right now because I don't have Twitter open, um, said that he runs a brew or works for a brewery in Cincinnati and would love to throw us a party the night before that game. Oh, hell yeah. I'm going so, now. <laughs> catch me in Cincinnati now. So I got to I gotta check in with that guy a little bit later, but I was like, oh, really? Because like generally back in the old CUSA days, I made several trips to Cincinnati and I try and limit those as much as possible because- Honestly, it's Cincinnati. Cincinnati. It's Cincinnati, which is the, not great. You get the Sorry. scent of Sorry, Ohio. Chili you guys just hovering <laughs> over. Yeah. Like I mean, I, every <clears throat> you all the games I've been to in Cincinnati or in the entire state of Ohio, like we usually win when we go, but like they're lame. If I go to Cincinnati, I I, I don't I don't have the Bengals schedule up, but I mean if Quint Flowers uh, if they're at home. They are I home. Mean, they play the Saints, actually. I've already looked I at this because get, I'm already thinking about going. <laughs> I might get a press pass and go talk to Q. There you go. That's just a horse of a different color now. The uh, Eagles are not home the weekend of the Temple game, but the Lightning are playing that day as well across the street. So it's Lightning Flyers across the street and then USF Temple. What happened to your Eagles on Sunday? Um, so I was in the air for most of it. I landed with like five minutes left in the third quarter. Um Saw Nick Foles drive down, score a touchdown, and I'm like, oh, good, good Nick Foles is back. And then that means I bet Eagles fourth quarter and did win the fourth quarter bet. <laughs> but um, I didn't see what happened, so I can't really have any input, but um, irrelevant because Carson's back next week anyway, so we're fine. Go, go, birds. Oh, 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 Fitz Magic. <laughs> <laughs> you know. That's insane. That yeah. guy is something that, else. He's MVP of the league right now, right? Uh, hit Irma Holmes. Yeah. Oh, man, but we're missing out on the boat. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Duval. <laughs> How can you I, cheer for that guy on this podcast? <laughs> I, I don't, I ignore where the college that he went to. However, um, made a, made a quite a bold statement that I'm not going to be sober for the week since, uh, the Jags be the Patriots. And, uh, here I am drinking big storm and, uh, it's three 30 in the afternoon. So it's going to be an interesting week for me. <laughs> Good luck yeah. the bank. <laughs> so, Colin, in Chicago, did you do anything fun on Friday, Saturday? Well, I got the there game? Thursday. So you got the there Thursday. The fun started on Thursday. So what did you do? <laughs> so Thursday, um, we get in like seven or not even like, I guess closer to like four or five, actually. You know, I take the, I take public transportation in from the hotel, from Midway, which like, uh, it's so easy. You walk from your plane, you, you know, I, you pick up your bag if you need it. You get on the train. It takes you where you got to go. And then you walk a few blocks and you get out of there and you're at your hotel. It's so phenomenal. Like, what do they have? They have the L. Is that, is that yeah, Chicago? Mm-hmm. Is that the above ground train? Is that correct? Okay. Elevated train. Got it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know much about that. I okay. know Chicago. It's the best way. To, it's like amazing to go. And you just do this in like a city like that and you go, oh, yeah, we could really use this in Tampa. So like. Pass the sales tax. I don't want to get political, but pass the damn sales tax. Anyway, we go to um, that night. I wasn't sure. I knew a bunch of people were getting on on Thursday. Most people were getting in Friday, but I knew there were some Bulls fans getting in Thursday. So um, I called your boss and my old boss, Matt Brown, at uh, SB Nation. About, I'd say about 20 of us got together at a little local watering hole, had a few beverages. Um, Matt is like just exactly what you think. He's like the nicest guy ever. You know, we're like, you know, he's drinking Diet Coke. The rest of us are chugging beers because Matt is a Mormon. <laughs> he is Mormon. Um, and but like, I thought it was really funny when you're like, I kept offering him. I was like, oh, honey, should I tell him? Should, should we tell him? It was part of the joke. <laughs> See, you, you leveled yourself there. So um, I just thought it was funny. But Matt, he was nice enough to come down from his place in the Burbs and uh, took the train home. Um, so then from there, we went to a place called, about 20 of us, and we went to a place called Boss Bar, which, by the way, 
boss. Good, like, good bar. So dark, loud music. Lots of people. Good times. Next day, I actually worked most of the next morning, but I did like sneak out like for a little bit. I walked. My hotel was like right. It's like so like Grant Park is like right on the lake and and Grant, at the south tip of Grant Park is Soldier Field. So like it's this huge like think Central Park in New York, but like a stadium at the bottom of it. That's kind of what it is. And then it's also on the water. So I, I walk over the fountain. You remember from Married with Children. That was like right across like a right in the middle of the park. I was at that level of the park. Walked over to the lake, their lake. I'll take Bayshore Boulevard forward seven days a week and twice on Sunday. Way better. <laughs> Their lake is trash. Ours is way better. Sorry, not sorry. Um, so went, did that. Had a birthday party for a friend at Michael Jordan's Steakhouse, which was good times. And especially good because, like, they did, like, buffet style. We didn't, like, sit there and order and, like, do, like, the floor. Oh, that's nice. So that's we were there. And, and since the Cubs game got moved, the Cubs were supposed to play at, like, 120. Then they had to play a single game in Washington as a makeup game. So then they scheduled the time and they moved the game back to a night game at Wrigley. I'd never been to a night game at Wrigley, but I'm like, eh, we got so much to do and there's so many other events. So I ended up going to dinner with uh, some friends at uh, Michael Jordan's. And then, you know, we were like, well, what are we going to do now? And we're like, well, one of one of our gentlemen had a few extra Cubs tickets. We're like, let's just go to the Cubs game. So we got to Wrigleyville, get there like second inning and like, one of the guys I was with had never been to Wrigley before. And the first time you walk into Wrigley, you're like, wow, this place is a dump. Oh my <laughs> God, this place. And then you walk out in the field and you go, oh, now I get it. Like that first, when you walk out and you yeah. see that field, it's I had, unbelievable. I had that same reaction uh, the first time I was in Doak. Yeah. It's <laughs> dump, like, dump, dump. You walk out. You're like, oh, Ooh. metal, metal, metal. And then you walk out and you see the field. And this was pre the new renovation. And I was like, I get it. Yeah. I get it. So- Think of that. I've, I've made that walk before too. Think of that like times 20 and you walk out and you're like in the infield and you look out and you see the city and you see like just, you know, back. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, if, if um, I talked to Joey Knight, we, we, we saw a whole, like everyone I've ever known in my life was kind of there. <laughs> um, so we saw Joey Knight walking around. He's like, I'm just so glad I'm here. You know what I mean? It's like, if you've <laughs> never gotten to see it before, it's incredible. I was like my, I've been lucky. It's like my third or fourth, but it was my first night game. And just, it's such an amazing atmosphere. And then Connor in the middle of our Slack channel, while I'm sitting in my seat early, like, <laughs> hot take Wrigley is V overrated as in very overrated. Boo. The worst take in sports <laughs> history. Like it's so bad. Wrigley's incredible. It always has been. It always will be. I wouldn't be shocked if Connor is blocked by Wrigley field on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and probably. <laughs> and deservedly so. So we did that. And then, and one of my buddies was like, you know, two outs in the ninth. He's like, oh, should we start walking up so we don't hit the traffic? I'm like, buddy, you got to hear the song. And when the Cubs win, it was, you know, they had a lead, one run lead in the ninth. I'm like, the Cubs win. They play the song. And Cubs strike out, you know, game over. They play the Cubs song. He's like, oh, this is so cool. And all the Cubs fans still stay to hear the song at the end of the game when they win. I mean, it's like dorky and stupid and amazing. Like, it's so cool. Well, it's not as good as the race. Victory! slightly better slightly better slightly better and you oh, watch it and they raise the flag and all that it's, it's awesome so did that went to wrigleyville hit multiple multiple establishments <laughs> in wrigleyville after the game um saw some friends from like across the country just bounced around um ended up in one place like closed down a bar with a couple of friends late went home and saturday woke up and i was like i'm gonna walk to the stadium how cool <laughs> is that so my hotel's like right in the middle of the park 
And then the stadiums on the South Park, I'd be like, a t- they're like, oh, it's like a 10 minute walk. All right. I do a 10 minute walk through a city park to go to a football game. How cool is that? Awesome. Walk across the street. I'm in the park. And I keep walking. And I keep walking. And I keep walking. And then you're just following the signs like through the park that say Soldier Field. So like you're literally just walking like if you were in a city park and it says go this way. All right. Get there. Get to Soldier Field. There's like a museum part and then you walk through this tunnel and there's like this museum section because it's a legit park. Oh, this is cool. Well, that's the stadium right there. And they're like, no, no, no. The tailgates and everybody parks on the south side of the stadium. I'm coming from the north. I go, all right. So I start walking. It's like the mirage in the desert where it just keeps getting <laughs> further and further. And you get there and then you get finally. And the, and the thing you can't like relate is like you guys know the footprint at Ray J. Like from the Yankees fields all the way to what is that MLK? Yeah. Okay. So like the Yankees field, it's a hike, but it's not like ridiculous. You yeah. can do it. This is so the footprint it has to be like three times the size of that. It's Jesus crazy. Christ. It's just this oh God. huge thing. And then you get to the south side of the stadium, and then there's two layers of um, parking lot. It's like this. It's not a parking garage. It's like well, they didn't have enough, so they built like a shelf on top of another shelf. And then that's more park. And then you have to walk all the way past that. And then there's like a street and the whole thing. And then you get to where we were tailgating. <laughs> tailgating at Soldier Field. Not great. No tents allowed because you're on cement. Hotter than hell out there. 90 degrees. And you're not allowed to set up a 10 by 10 tent anywhere. And they pack you into spaces where you have like, I don't know, this car and this car have what? Yeah, two and a half, three feet between them all the way down. Worst tailgating experience ever. Our guy Brandon orders food for 40 of us for the game. Uber Eats driver swings by, can't get in. Takes the food back. He orders again. We're like, we'll meet you on the street. We'll walk out there. We'll pick it up. We'll bring it back to our whatever. Nothing. So all this 40 of us, hot, no shade, no food. <laughs> we just started drinking. So like... Um, just power guzzling like alcohol because like we're all hotter than hell and whatever. So we had the little blow up thing. I don't know if you saw the picture of like the two standing yeah. blow up Rockies and all that stuff. Um, we had a great time out there. Like even so, despite the fact that Soldier Field is a monstrous and horrible place. And then when you leave the stadium, there's like the parking lot. And once you leave your parking lot, you can't carry alcohol with you to the stadium. So you have to throw your liquor out and then walk another to get to the stadium it's like the worst it's like the most poorly conceived thing i've ever seen in terms of tailgating really really bad the last picture that i saw that you posted was the uh you pouring soko into a cup and i was like oh he's having a great time at this point <laughs> he's, he's pouring soko straight into a cup <laughs> there might have been some ice in there so <laughs> just one ice cube just can't, one ice. can't can't water it down too much nearly over the flame so we did that and like uh, so then we go to the game. The stadium itself is great. Like we had a little overhang. We were all in a corner. I think all the USF fans were basically in the shade the entire time. Um, we had, if you were up high enough, you had replay TVs. So that was great. Um, stadium itself is fine. I mean, for a retrofit, it's terrific. But just like the the size of it, I didn't quite grasp. If I had known, I would have taken an Uber to the game. But oh well. And from there, we won some football. Went out afterwards. Hit pizza place again. I went to Luminati's for lunch when I got there. And I went to Luminati's after the game. Pretty good. Although apparently the Pequod is better. 
we we had some a couple people doing some taste tests like between Luminati's and Pequod Pizza. Pequod. I think uh, Tito stayed until Tito Banak, yeah, uh, former Bulls two four seven guy. He stayed Sunday and naturally did a pizza taste test the next day. Yeah, like the Pequod <coughs> seems to be the better pizza. Um, but like, and I'm telling you, man, we drew like there was a cra- like. You, I don't know if it, what it sounded like on TV, but it sounded like from us like we were just as loud as the rest of them. It got very loud in the mm-hmm. second half. Yeah, like, like you, you could audibly hear a lot of USF chants. Right. Just, yeah, it was, it was great, and like the, it was, it felt like Tulane in that the fans were there, and I don't think anybody had a bad time. Now, our buddy Holden, <laughs> so our buddy Mark books an Airbnb, and it's like. It says, and he's like, books an Airbnb in like the city. And it's, and he said, well, I'll have, you know, I got me and three of my friends, but he gets there and he doesn't really read the fine print that says, can only bring two people into this Airbnb. You know why? Because it's in one of these condo buildings with a doorman where you have to like sign people in and out. So there's supposed to be four people staying in this Airbnb and there's a doorman saying, no, 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 only two of you are coming in. <laughs> so. I had a hotel. I always on these trips, knowing this kind of shit happens, I always get two queen beds. If I have my own room, because on a USF football road trip, somebody's going to get drunk. Somebody's going to do something stupid. Something's going to happen where somebody's going to need a place to crash. So I had the extra bed. They figured it all out. But these guys are like, you know, Holden, Holden's like puts his stealth in Mark's hand. He's like, uh, Colin, uh, you got any space on your floor? <laughs> like, oh man, I got my own room. I'm overlooking the lake. This is great. And I'm gonna have to give up my room, but, um, yeah, so that was fantastic. And just like really fun. Everybody in a great mood. Um, and that's what USF travel should be. That's why you do games like this. You know what I mean? To get on the road, show everybody a great time, engage your donors, engage your fan base. So many people from like that, like, um, the, uh, old volleyball coach at DePaul, Amy Clywig played at USF. Her friend, Erica Berger, and who also who played at USF, was one of the best players USF ever had. She's there. Our friend Lindsay was there. Like you, there are so many USF fans that live in Chicago naturally. So when you get to bring a game to them, it just makes all the difference in the world. This is why I love these kind of games. It's why, um, you know, Dublin would have been a little bit different. We'll get into that later, but there was some potential for USF <laughs> to play a game in Dublin next year instead of playing Wisconsin at home. That was turned down by previous management, not the current folks, but I think, I think it's probably safe to say it would have been turned down either way. Probably so. But $3 million is a lot of money, but the chance to go to Dublin, Ireland would have been. Yeah. So I think Dublin would have been incredible, but I I would have made that trip. Just, I would have probably made it like a two week thing, gone see my family and of course had fun. So like, but that's, that's the reason why these road games are so great. And you know, I'm so glad that USF schedule in the next few years improves drastically on road games because like stuff like this, like everybody we go to Texas in 2020, I believe, or 2022 going to BYU, going to Texas, going to Louisville, going to Gainesville, going to where else are we going? We got NC couple, State, I think Central Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Although that's bad. They've just bailed, right? The the home game. Oh, we're I supposed believe, to. Oh, no, there? no, 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 no. It was a road game. Okay. Uh, so we're not going to Central Michigan. Oh. OK, even better. Hold on. Better. I mean, next year is whiskey cool. at Georgia Tech. Atlanta uh, next year. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely going to go to Atlanta. And then BYU October 12th. I mean, those three really fantastic. And then players. in two years, at 2020 at Texas, we've got an open date. Nevada comes here. And then we go to the FAU. The Fighting Lane Kiffins. Hopefully, the fighting, I still might uh, Whoever is going to be coaching them then. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 
So just like a great, a great weekend, great weekend for USF. And I love these types of things. And it's so nice to be able to get everybody together. The out of conference ones are even more fun because they're places you don't get to go as often. Mm-hmm. So that was great. Uh, so there was a football game played mm-hmm. USF. I don't remember that. <laughs> Another fourth quarter comeback engineered by some very good defense and Blake Barnett and his heroics. The cardiac bulls at it again. <laughs> Jesus, man. Um, Bulls win 25-19, and it should have been should have been much worse for the Lovey Smiths. Um, yeah, like I thought, what did we gain? 620-some yards of offense? 626 to their 380. And 25 points. And we had yes. 30, 31 first downs. So what was that number where it went? U.S. have the first team to win a game with 25 points or less and more than 625 yards of offense like since 2000 or something like that? Yeah, I think that I think there was like a one like random outlier, but that's about it. Yeah, I mean, you're not supposed to be able to run up that kind of yardage, only score 25 and still win. So, and it, it the penalties, man, 14 penalties for 124 yards in the two games that USF and Illinois have played in the last two years. USF has combined for 30 penalties. The offense had nine accepted penalties for 65 yards. Six of them were on the offensive line. That's um. Bad. That's not great. Not great. Um, fourth and seven tripping penalty on Eric Mays kills mm-hmm. a kills a first down. It was okay. If you watch the film, it's pretty ticky tacky. But Eric Mays literally gets pushed down by like a feather on that play. Eric like, he got he got round, pancaked and Roundtree doesn't make a move. He literally like puts his hand on him and Mays like falls over. It's the weirdest thing in the yeah. world. So Eric Mays has seven penalties. That's bad. This offensive line at times. Struggled to block, but then at other times, I thought they would look, especially in third and fourth quarter, like Barnett had time back there to throw the ball. Yeah. So, watching the film in the first half, Illinois got some pressure, uh, but, and they batted a few balls down. But in the second half, uh, Steve pointed out on, uh, on Slack that they just were not, they weren't trying to get to the quarterback. They were just trying to get their hands up and just bat down passes. And there were a few plays where, Blake had three to four seconds to throw the ball. Um, and that's when you saw Sterling take those deep shots when he realized they're not trying to get to the quarterback. They're just going to try to bat the pass down. And you saw a lot of deep shots, especially when you didn't see it in the first half. In the first half, especially, uh, they tried to do some screens that Illinois kind of blew up. Uh, there was one in particular where they Blake tried. He gets sacked. He tries to make a quick screen. There's There was no other route uh, on the play. He goes down. And then it just clicked. The offense clicked in the second half and kind of rolled. They kind of got out of their own way. And it, you saw what happened in the, the last quarter. You saw how effective this offense can be when they stop shooting themselves in the foot. That was one thing that, you know, we, we gave a lot of credit to uh, BJM for making halftime adjustments and adjustments on the fly and everything. I will give a lot of credit to Lovey Smith on the adjustment to have his his pass rush isn't there for his team no. and he knows that. And so almost again, like I said, and in the Slack channel, almost every single play was, if it was, if we were passing the ball, his defensive linemen were attempting to get in front of where Barnett could be throwing it and putting their hands up. Yeah. There was no pass rush. He could have no sat stunts, in the pocket. Nothing. They it was, just- it was very basic. His defensive tackles didn't, you know, stunt, didn't move around. It was, you know, get in front of Barnett and put your hands up because those defensive linemen are Big, you know, those were those guys are six five and six six. 
they are just as tall as Barnett and can bat down balls. Exactly. We saw that. We saw that a lot and in the first quarter. <laughs> I watched Illinois' first two games. Shout out to Illinois Football Breakdown. They put together offense and defense on YouTube, ten minute clips, and kind of blew through it. And what I saw from Illinois was they were not able to get pressure with without blitzing. And we saw it again on Saturday when they got some pressure. They were they were blitzing leaving their guys on islands. And if you press the these bulls wide receivers, they're going to get behind you more mm-hmm. often than not. So the thing that I noticed in the stands and like the worst place to watch a football game is in the stands. And the second worst place to watch, to watch a football game Silence. is in the stands after a few pops. So, <laughs> cause it was so cold outside of the stadium and then $11 craft beers in it. But the thing that I noticed is like there were times where I was calling out the play, you know, because it's just like pre-snap read and you know exactly what Levy's going to give you. There was no creativity of their defense whatsoever, especially when we crossed the 50. They were just, you know, they're going to I, I they didn't blitz much. You know, it was like rush three, rush. It was either rush three or rush four, drop seven, you know, occasionally mixing some man, but mostly zone. And, and you knew you could you could see from the pre-snap read where USF was going to go with the football. And Lovey Smith probably should have picked up on that. Like, I at no point, man. I'm telling you, we're down, we're down 16, 7 at halftime. I bet on USF at halftime. I knew we were gonna win. There was no. Oh, I was what minus USF minus nine in the second half. It was USF. It was just so basically all they do was win the game, and like you're you're getting even money on a on a win and down 16, not seven. And I'm like, there's no way we're losing this game. We're moving the ball like crazy, and it's Lovey Smith. And there's no, there was the fact that it was as close as it was kind of surprised me. And then we you know checked field goal and you know did some other things that weren't super great, but at no point was I ever, even when they're driving down the field at the end, the fourth down that they converted from like midfield on the last drive. That wasn't great, but they still had to go another 30 yards. I'm yeah. like, there's no way with that, with that much time left, no shot. So yeah, USF wins that game 99.9 times out of a thousand. It seems okay. Obviously we have bad luck when it comes to penalties when we play Illinois, but you know, we, when an offense shoots themselves in the foot that much, I mean, this game was, I, I was kind of over-exaggerating in, in our Slack channel a lot of the times because I wasn't watching the game. Um, I was busy doing other things at the time. But from what I was watching, because I was just getting the updates that you guys were getting, you know, I couldn't tell when, you know, we get a first down off of like a 13-yard run. I couldn't tell how dominant we were. But after I watched some of the film and watched what we were doing, this game could have easily been like 48 to 19. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we, we like Cronkite could have broken off another three long runs. Barnett's two interceptions were less than ideal, but you know, this, this game as, as close as it was and, you know, scoring 18 points in the fourth quarter to win the game, you know, that's not an ideal circumstance. And the coaching staff knows that, but you know, this game should have been, a blowout from the get go. And we just shot ourselves in the foot. And that's, this is one of the circumstances where, you know, we got a young team. This was a lot of these guys' first road, road game trip. outside yep. of the state of Florida <laughs> with the amount of defensive players that we have that are freshmen and true freshmen or, or redshirt freshmen, even, and even on the offensive side of the ball, you know, a lot of these guys didn't travel. So as much as I don't want to make an excuse out of it, but when we have these guys who have never traveled before play in Chicago in a completely different environment, you know, this is a learning game for them, and they they still showed that resiliency. Yeah, uh, uh, Charlie said in his press conference yesterday, he said last Tuesday's practice was awful. Uh, they, you know, they missed the day because they had to correct the mistakes from Tuesday. So basically, Wednesday their red zone 
and you know situational day was ruined because they had to just correct everything from Tuesday. And he he went on to say the thing we always have to be able to do is have the right focus when we walk into a game. And and it started last week with how poor the practice was. You can't just sleepwalk your way through the a first half when you know you're going to get someone's best someone's best and you're on the road. So I mean, it's a super young team. Three of three of the five offensive linemen have never started and been on the been on the road before. Um, or two of them, I guess. Uh, and that, it just, a lot of young guys and a lot of jitters. It was Blake's first road game as a starter. I mean, technically, they, I mean, the, the game against USC that they had was in Arlington, if I recall correctly. It was the kickoff neutral game. For the kick, it was a neutral fields, but, you know, that's still a huge stage for Barnett to be on. Yeah. And it's it similarly, you know, you could see the jitters that he had in the first half against USC that he had if on the you, first half against if USC. You, if you can handle SC and Bama fans going to Dallas and when, what is that? A hundred thousand seat stadium, which was probably at least 80% full. I would mm-hmm. assume um, there was not a single ticket sold above club level yeah. at this game. Like there was nobody, ain't nobody in the upper decks. And so I think they announced 25, which was um, pushing it USF levels of generous, if not more so. So, like, Actual attendance, 21, 725. 21. Okay, 21. That's still hot. Yeah. But, <laughs> it's, I mean, there's just nobody there. And so I, I don't think the the road jitters necessarily on him. I think he just had an off day. And that first half, like, y- you could see there were throws there that he just wouldn't make. And mm-hmm. Second yeah. half, I mean, those last, you know, last two drives where they scored, he was really, really strong when he needed it, to be. But. It was very ironic, the, the similarities between his first game with – Alabama, USC, mm-hmm. and his game here. So he's yeah. getting, he wins yeah. Offensive Player of the Week this week and has 400 and how many yards? Co-offensive, 411. Co-Offensive Player of the Week. Right. Assistant to the regional manager. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He was a Co-Offensive Player of the Week because um, Daryl Henderson from Memphis went off. He had over 200 yards, a couple touchdowns. He's averaging over 12 yards a carry. That seems pretty strong. Yeah. I saw two of them. That's all right. Was averaging 12.9 yards per throw. Yeah. That guy's, that guy's, per throw. that guy's something else, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So Blake finished 23 of 40 for 411, two touchdowns in the fourth quarter and two interceptions. First interception. We, I think we're consensus. We understand what he was trying to do. It was mm-hmm. a great hit to pop the ball out, but he should have just tucked just it. He should have tucked it. He, yeah, he absolutely. could have gotten six or seven yards easy without touching anyone. And then that's that second interception, it looked like the defense confused him and he it, threw it into a spot where he shouldn't have. Right. It, from what I looked at, because we just looked at it before this this before we started recording, uh the, the defense sat in a weird zone. It was a very deep, almost like, a three under like three a, over. Yeah. It, that's what the coverage looked like pre-snap. But then in the middle of the play, it went to like a four-two. And that last DB, the one that picked it off. I, I don't know if he just really read the play really well or if he knew what was happening there, but Wilcox sat in the right place for it. He definitely, so it looked like it was a dig with a, like a sit yeah. and he sat in between the two guys as you're supposed to, but the guy coming from behind just kind of came in and just, I mean, and it was a good, good play by them. And yeah. let's give Barnett credit for another touchdown too. Cause St. Felix has to catch that ball on the go. Like, I mean, the one that went through his hands. Yeah. I, 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 you have to catch that ball. Yeah. I was a perfect pass. Perfect pass, perfect timing. The one he threw to Salomon down the left side was perfect pass, perfect timing. Like, 
you know, you, you got to people players got to execute on those plays. But I, I just the kid's good, man. He's legitimately good. He fits this system, what they want to do. You can argue whether or not this is the smartest system for a team in Florida to be running. I'll have that argument. But like, <laughs> um, if they're gonna, if this is what they're gonna do, and they're gonna commit to being this kind of to, of offense, then I think they got their quarterback. The good thing is, when it comes to this offense, though, I mean, if you look at our wide receiver core, we got for days. We got wide receiver core for days. We got a days. we got a quarterback that hasn't really even been in the system for more than what forty days now. Correct. And we yeah, have an offensive like line that. that's young. Yes. And this is. And they've, they're still running the system extremely well, especially with Barnett, because Barnett is doing an excellent job with these read pass options, which is something to be noted to his maturity and everything. But, you know, St. Felix, I, I'm going to kind of, you know, give him credit here. If he makes three more catches, the the drop passes that he had against Illinois, he has a 270 yard game. Yeah. Easy. That's school record by a lot. <laughs> that kid is going to be a star. He is, he like, okay, I guess you're going to have to say now that MVS was the first true USF NFL receiver. Because, mm-hmm. you know, with apologies to Chill Mitchell and a couple other guys that, you know, Andre Davis got a. D'Andre Rubin. D'Rube. Yeah, I mean, but like. That was, was probably the most subdued, any, most subdued anyone's ever said D'Andre Rubin's name. <laughs> what? Subdued? Oh, yeah, D'Rube. It's, it is. Does has anyone ever called him DeAndre Rubin? Like he's just DeRube. Like, I know it's DeAndre Rubin. Yeah, That's about it. It like, did. It went so over. It, his that head. went so far over my head. <laughs> yeah. Like, but uh, except for those guys, like USF's never really had an elite wide receiver. SJ MG, Green still crushing it in, in the C- in the in the CFL. <laughs> in the so CFL. you got to give him his props. He's um, been doing it for like twelve years now. Cliff Dell murdered the arena. Too. <laughs> like, let's, I mean, it's happened before, but. Uh, I just think that like that kid, St. Felix, to be that he's eighteen, right? He's not eighteen. Yeah, he's probably nineteen. He's is a redshirt he? freshman. Oh yeah. He could right. be I always forget he is a redshirt. Like they did he was here last year. But I mean, my God, he can do it all. He can run routes. He can, he's got hand I mean, dropped a couple, but you can see he's got some talent and man, he's just a burner. Like his, what a elite player. His moss catch that he had, I mean that just that just shows it. Like nineteen year old going up, high pointing the ball perfectly over defensive back. That's something that we, I I mean, I have never, I mean, I, we saw Andre do it every once in a while. Um, namely that Andre game. was not this kid's size, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah Andre, Andre was like six, one in cleats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, fair. Six, one, maybe 200 pounds. And, and you know, we love Dre, but like not this kid, this kid is special. We'll always like, we, have got Nevada. A, yeah. we got a really good player here. Woo. Was yeah. he special against Nevada though? That was fun. Uh, absolutely. And I mean, and, and Tulsa. And Tulsa. And Tulsa. Yeah. Got to watch them. Yeah. In <laughs> Tulsa. There's a good video of uh, White Mike and Josh. Uh, right Hugging it out yeah. right after. Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's, a good, that's a good one. But uh, he, one, one he thing. Did, he did push off on a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. We won't talk about that. <laughs> Whatever. One, one kind of thing that I, I do want to note for this was uh, Illinois came out with a pretty decent game plan. Um, and their, their game plan as far as a receiving core was uh, don't let McCants get the ball. Uh, there was any time that we ran those, those infamous McCants screens, I mean, they were all the, over them. They were all, all over. Yeah. And th- that was their game plan to take away McCants. And in the first half, it was very obvious that our game plan was, Hey, let's give it to our, our, our hefty, shifty, fast wide receiver that can run you over and do everything. Uh, and, and they took that away. 
and you know they we just went to the, the other fucking studs. It, it's you could see it. From oh the my stands. gosh, this like, offense is ridiculous. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't like we we were sitting in the stands going, "Oh, they're going this way with the ball," because you could just see where the safeties lined up. Oh yeah, and you exactly where the coverage was coming, and then it's just pre snap read. Okay, so somebody's. I mean, usually they have Tyree on the on the strong side of the field or at the bunch receiver mm-hmm. on this side. That means you've got one on one coverage here on the outside or. You know, they're going to have Wilcox over the middle in a zone. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You could see it pre-snap where the ball should go. Yeah. Because and, they had to rotate the coverage to make hands. And I think we're probably, we might be breaking it down on the film room, but the the touchdown throw to Solomon in coverage, not his 50-yard touchdown pass, but the, the RPO, the, the RPO that, that play, if you watch it in, in its units, you have three play options there. You have the McCants screen to the outside, which happens, and the defensive backs over there don't even look at what's happening. They Um, don't look play side at all. You have the what's happening in the middle with, you know, the the option to run the ball with um, the running back, which immediately gets nullified. And then you have one on one coverage on the outside with Darnell Solomon and any offensive coordinator could have probably guessed which way that ball was going to (laughs) go. So, you know what that play? I mean, I haven't seen it on tape. I just I, you know, that that was on the far side of the field from us. But, um, you know, uh. You know what that play was? That's Gulf Coast offense play. You know what I mean? If you've got that three option where pre-snap, you know where the ball's going and you can go RPO, you can run bubble or turn it and go. Mm-hmm. That's that's Willie Taggart offense right there. That is. That so. was that was a Gulf Coast offense play. And I, I think to give credit to Gilbert, because he did have to kind of adopt into that Gulf Coast offense a little bit last year with Quentin, that play was straight from that playbook. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether or not Quentin runs that properly versus what Barnett did, but you know, there was a read there that he probably could have given it, but Barnett decided to give it to his uh, his receiver there. Yep, and just a couple season stat notes. Uh, Barnett has thrown for 923 yards, seven touchdowns, and he's completing 65% of his passes. Uh, Steve pointed out he's on pace for 4,000 yards and, what, 40-something touchdowns? Yeah, 43 touchdowns passing and rushing. Yeah, so I, I looked up our preview stuff and i said it would not surprise me if you threw for over three thousand yards and near 30 touchdowns if everything clicks i think i older undersold him yeah i think i really i think i undersold him he's at nearly a thousand yards in three games and, and he, he gets- still has ecu he still has uconn to play um who <laughs> else? U- he still has umass i mean oh, god yes. dang man that's gonna be oh I put it in jest in my galaxy brain version of what could possibly happen. And I said, Barnett throws for 4,040 and now he's on pace for it. (laughs) Like that was like just jokingly shoot for the moon, but he's going to, he's going to have a burst game, you know, whether, whether he has to have it or not, he's going to have one of those real big, big games that, uh, I think I, I'm going with a bold prediction here, but he might throw for 600 yards one game just based off of what we've seen so far. It may not be this year or it could be next year, but he will throw for 600 yards in a game. So yeah. the thing with going for 600 is the other team's got to score a bunch too. Yeah, that's so. that's the unfortunate part. Though. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I don't, I mean, I don't see any team outside of UCF on Black Friday yeah, keeping so that, pace. That could be another, you know, Quinton, what, throws for 500, runs for 100. Barnett could throw for 600 and it's like, you know, 52 to 48. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so Kronk had a fantastic game. 22 carries for 136 yards, yards and a touchdown and a touchdown. We had two guys go over hundred yards receiving Mitch Wilcox, who probably had the worst, best game of his life. I mean, there was a couple miscues from him early in the first half and then he kind of 
rectified the ship. You mentioned that in the Slack, and then at the end, it's like when he pulled in the most receptions for a tight end. He got, I mean, he got consistent. Yeah, the he one did. thing was he was the one that it bounced the, off his hands. He, and that was twice. So, pick. All right, yeah. so he had ten targets according to Stat Broadcast. Well, I mean, we can get into that. They have Josh Blacks as the starting left tackle, and Jordan Cronkite <laughs> as the starting running back and inside linebacker, and Seth McGee. We can get into all that. And then in the game notes, it still ha- it has Josh Blacks as starting left tackle. <laughs> well, we can get into the semantics of how the stats are put into the system. That's so bad. Uh, it's, it's, bad. it's the Bucks guys, though, right? It's not our guys. <laughs> no, 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 this those, would be the Bears guys. Probably. The Bears are from Illinois. Yeah. And probably the Bears guys. It's not going to bring people from Champaign to Chicago f- to run stats. So it's probably the Chicago Bears guys. Yeah. And they're used to using the NFL system, which is different than stat group. But anyway, go ahead. Um, so <laughs> he had 10 targets for and eight catches. The only two targets, I guess, would have been the interception. Yeah. So, so if he had 10 targets and two picks, how did he block? Because that's the hardest thing to pick up on the field. Like when you're at the game is like who's blocking and who's make, making plays down the field. Um, a lot of the runs were kind of up the middle, which worked very well. Yeah. Um, and I saw most of the time when they were running effectively, they had Mitch split out wide and he was the dummy screen. Okay. Uh, you saw him just kind of like, go lateral with the line of scrimmage and just throw his hands up. But it was all just spread them out, go middle and let Kronk kind of decide where he wants to go with the ball. It's, it's almost like to harken back to the Jackson. It's almost how they have with Rob Gronkowski, where typically you would put a linebacker on a tight end. And so on the two point conversion play, they put a linebacker on Wilcox on the, on the far side of the field. Mm -hmm. And so now you don't have one of the two linebackers that they had because they ran a lot of nickel this game. I mean, that's pretty much all yeah. they, they wouldn't they refuse to get out of that four two five. Yeah. So when you have one line, Money Smith, ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. Yeah. So if you do the math here, you got four defensive linemen, five offensive linemen, one linebacker, and and one running back that basically has no one like circled onto him except for the safety. And Jordan Conkright ran over the safety pretty cleanly it was like <laughs> and, the first and, carry of the game wasn't yeah. it yeah and clean and cleaned his clock and, and and showed him that he was there to play yeah so you know that was one thing that i saw that i don't know why they did not adjust to this properly but when you have jordan cronkright who has finally started to emerge a little bit more in this game he really did play effectively for 136 yards like he was there yeah and for the offense it's only a matter of time before we see I mean, we've already seen it, but just to get Randall, Darnell, and Tyree on the field starting together, because Stanley Clairvaux has made three starts and has five catches. So Stanley has four catches for 29 yards. Um, the three guys ahead of him, uh, Darnell has 19 yards per catch, Tyree's 10.9, and Randall 17.9. That's Man. dangerous. <laughs> that is That's so yeah. If If uh, we can... One, I, two, three, four... Yeah, five different receivers. If the, our three best receivers who are averaging well over 10 yards, almost 15 yards a catch each, that is lethal yeah. in and college football. And your top rushers, Cronkwright, 31 carries, 175. Duran Bell, 12 carries, 69. Yeah, that's 5.8. Missed two, missed two games. Right. But like it shows your – if you take out the the averages on the, you know, the Brett Keens, you know, and Gennard Phillips and things like that, they're having like five yards of carry, which is fine. 
especially when, you know, receiving-wise, you're averaging 13.4 yards a catch. That's that's good. That's, that's very good. That's very <laughs> I mean, the offense averaged, uh, they were 7.7 yards per play on Saturday, that's, which is, that's high-octane offense. That's fine. You that, said that's the number. That, that, that's uh, uh, that's like 7.5 is, is where you need to be. Of right. course, you want to score more than 25 points in said game. But right. I... Mm. But I think it anomaly. I don't think you're going to get penalized 14 times a game. I know Charlie's. Uh, They're running sprints every day this oh, week because uh, of this whole bunch of up downs. Yeah. Um, because I mean they had 12 of the first two games and you have 14. I think it's just a, a weird. And there's drops. That's the thing. Yeah. It's not like everything's getting caught. There's a ton of balls still being left out on Mitch the field. Mitch had. I mean there was almost a near interception in the first quarter. Mitch almost pulled came down with it. It got batted around. Um, and then another pass got batted down that Mitch had his hands on. It could, I mean, I mean, shout out to the, the offensive line for all the penalties. Cause it's really boosting Blake's uh, yardage number. I I'm almost <laughs> positive. He's probably got 40 to 50 more yards due to penalties. Like at least easy. Yeah. Um, and then let's, let's shift gears defensively because I, I've harped on this on Twitter. <laughs> the defense is good. Relax. All right. Two drives in the third quarter against Elon with the backups in. They score. Awesome. Who cares? The game was already in hand. I don't care. The starters controlled them. So Georgia Tech will get their yards. I don't give a damn. The defense came up big when it needed to. Outside of that second drive against Illinois, the Illinois offense did jack shit that's a bad word it is defense is very good not worried about the defense um here's the i i just i want the fans to realize this okay Okay. yeah no illinois ran 79 plays for 380 yards that's really good that's 4.8 yards per play that's fantastic and like you can't you cannot translate nfl numbers to college because oh, it does wow. not work the same. And do I people think, really do that? Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. People are that dumb? Yes. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Wow. Yes. The, do I, they do pace of play too? Do they think like pace of play numbers translate? Like college games go like you run 50% more plays sometimes. Yeah. 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 So. People are dumb. Yes. All right. So. so but uh, I want to follow on your point. So what is that? 79 for three what? 380. Okay. 79 for 380. Um, USF 7.4 yards per play is the official. Okay, so they're conceding four point something. They're getting seven point something. They only win by six. Just sort of one of those games where you have to go. Shit happened. Turnovers, field goals, 15 penalties, 15 penalties, kicking the damn ball out of bounds. Like, I mean, you know, just bad JBL, just bad luck. If this is your just bad luck game and you got through it. All right. Clean it up. There's plenty of there's plenty of who will help clean it up. ECU. Oh, you get healthy on that team. So, so, and uh, just to really hammer home this point, Illinois second drive, three plays, 80 yards, touchdown. Great. Mac, Mike Epstein, uh, Florida boy, uh, apparently he's friends with a bunch of people uh, on the team because they all went to high school together. Brett Keene, they played Pop Warner together. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a good back, but the other 76 plays, Illinois averaged under four yards per play. Yeah. You're, that's fantastic. That's, in that's, college football, where you get to block three yards downfield and cheat. 
And you're still holding them that way. Communism, man. The communism, communism. of being able to block three yards downfield, which is horseshit on a pass play. Um, to also make a note, um, something that doesn't get talked about because they we kind of you know put this in the back of the mind. We just got done playing a game against a team that cut blocks, goes right at your knees, a team that is very much not fun to right. run against and will hurt you a lot of the times. They, they call the Navy hangover, the Georgia Tech hangover, the Army hangover. Those hangovers are real. Your it's players real are hurting. And we didn't have Jamon Thomas or Bentley Sanders. They only played on uh, yeah. uh, specialist stuff. Jamon or or Demetrius Harris, right? Yeah, he did. He was nursing an ankle injury from last week. We had backup left tackle, and uh, we were hurt too. I mean, I know Illinois was. I mean, they've got like eighteen dudes in uh, the hospital wing in Chicago, but that's fine. We're okay. Yeah, relax. Mm-hmm. As Re- as Aaron Rodgers have said. <laughs> so I, I'm not worried. I think we're no. fine. Um, I don't know if we're as dynamic as we were maybe two years ago offensively. I think we're very, very good, but we might not be that dynamic. But defensively, I think we're better than that 2016 team was defensively for sure. I think it's going to so, be a big kind of thing to see how we do conference wise, because this is when you're going to see the playbook kind of. Oh, we ain't gonna see nothing this week. Oh no, not we're no, playing sorry. Scotty Montgomery sorry, we, and the dead last team in S and P. We ain't gonna see shit. This when we week. actually see the playbook in about three weeks, we'll we'll see how this team kind of really, really kind of can spread these plays out. We could win this game out of the wishbone. We could win this game in I formation where we go. We're gonna run twenty two all day out of the eye, or we're gonna run wishbone, and I think we could win this game. Is North Carolina that? <laughs> I'm just saying. We, we, we uh, if. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're probably going to lose because Chris Oldokin's going to go down with an injury. Look, kids. Go down. Let's, we can transition a little here. Uh, <laughs> East Carolina, who is practicing, their only hope is that they're allowed to practice 75 hours a week in Orlando this week because they're there because of the hurricane. Yeah, they've, so been, they've been there since last week. Right. No, so, last week. They, it's not like they're going to class. So maybe they can focus on football and get to the point where they're just really terrible instead of the worst team in FBS right now, statistically, uh, according to S&P at least. Um, you look at the win over North Carolina and go, ah, North Carolina sucks. They're bad. They're terrible this year. So I was kind of looking forward to how terrible they actually were to see them versus UCF, but it didn't happen. So what are you going to do? So yeah. <laughs> I think the argument is going to be that they could have played statistically. Well, that too, but <laughs> from certain idiots in the Knights fan base, whatever. But the, um, I think the argument you've got to make is, is that you USF by the numbers, like the spreads 22 by the numbers, they should win this game by like 40. Yeah. Now that, I don't know if that's going to happen and I don't know, you know, putting Charlie in a big blowout situation isn't always ideal because he's not exactly the big blowout type of coach. I mean, he put 60 on ECU last year on the road. Yeah, but they've put up. I mean, they put up 30. They put up 60. It was a third score in the fourth quarter. It was it was 24, 17 at halftime. And the USF put up 60. Yeah. And they finally used Dervis Johnson properly in the second half. They used Mitch in the second half. I did that. So I'm not I'm not worried. But like they also coughed up a bunch last year. Dude, ECU's terrible. I, I would venture to say that the defense has improved since last year. And aside from, I think, one player on ECU's offense, they have not improved at all. Uh, so 
I, I will say kind of kind of the the weird X factor in this game uh, that I really don't like is ECU runs the two quarterback system right now. Uh, you know, you get your you, you get your Chris Leak passing quarterback, which they have the uh, the nice version of Chris Leak, the Walgreens version with uh, <laughs> Reed Herring, uh, who I mean, you're, you're this guy isn't impressive by any least. Uh, where, where did Gardner Minshew end up? Uh, he, he transferred to Wazoo. Um, that's right. Oh my yes. god, I forgot. Yeah. Well, he he escaped a, a little. He escaped, but uh, Holden Ayler's just a hurricane. Yeah, <laughs> Holden Ayler's their their running quarterback that they use. Um, I, I I'm going to compare him to Tebow in the sense that he will not throw the ball. He might throw the ball like twice this game. Holy shit, he's six three two thirty six. Yes, he is a that's a big one. He's a big boy. <laughs> that's a big. He loves to run between the tackles. Absolute unit. An abs- He is an absolute unit. Uh, he is the X factor this game. Uh, and I can tell you that Tyree McCants is probably going to play a a little bit of uh, practice squad QB to get the defense ready for this because this guy's big and does not get tackled very easily and has not thrown a pass this year. He threw one pass actually. Oh yeah, incomplete. He he throws <laughs> he throws passes like I kick field goals so not well he is not he is not listed on the ESPN page as having thrown a pass this year oh on a interesting sports references he threw one yeah, pass it, against uh, EC or uh, North Carolina yeah okay. he's over one according to their game notes okay um which means he's gonna throw a bomb to somebody oh absolutely so I, me, oh you're right yeah so that's that's funny because it's it shows there's two quarterbacks showing as having thrown a pass this is ECU's line for all three quarterbacks this season. Uh, Reed Herring is 56 of 97. The team is 57 of 99 for 604 yards. That's six yards per attempt. They complete 57% uh, of their passes. Um, they have three touchdowns and two interceptions. That's by modern college football standards, and especially their schedule, considering that they've played uh, the black college national champions. We'll give them that. And, and a terrible North Carolina team. Uh, that's not good. And, and even rushing... They have 78 oh. carries for 288 yards, 3.7 per carry. Man, it's college football. <laughs> it's college football. You can cheat. How are you only getting 3.7 yards against the black college national champions and UNC running the football? Come on, man. Well, that's bad, dude. That's, that's terrible. Really bad. Darius Penix, the uh, he had a kind of a decent game against us last year. Um, I heard his name more than anyone else because he's kind of one of those uh, running back wide receiver combos that they use. He's their best running back right now, and that's not good. He's he's not great uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but they're going to rely on something super gimmicky this game. I have a very strange feeling they're the whole nailers is going to get a lot of playing time. They're going to do a, a lot of cheeky plays here and there. They're going to try. I mean, they've been able to practice for us for now two weeks now. Mm-hmm. They're doing something like you don't practice for two weeks against one team and a team that's a lot better than you and not have something up your sleeve here. They might as well go triple option at this point. So they did put 41 on UNC and only gave up 19, which makes you think that sounds pretty good. Their predictive rank is 112. Their S&P is 130. Um, but opponents yards per play, 5.7. And, and that's just counting the UNC game. So they gave up. But UNC is terrible. So, so uh, it looks like we the one guy defensively for them. Uh, defensive end Nate Harvey. He has 13 tackles. He has five and a half tack, uh, tackles for loss and one and a half sacks. They do not have an interception. Yeah, I was about to say, they, they have yet to have another team turn over the ball on them. They have two <laughs> yeah. forced fumbles, but none of none. them are covered. So, 
Yeesh. It should um, be a beating. And- but they do have one thing against us right now, and that's on special teams. Uh, Jake Verity is a very good kicker. And the other thing they have and is that they've been able to completely focus on football for the last 10 days. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, kind of like I mean, completely focused. I mean, I think it's trivializing the hurricane and whatnot. I mean, no, but I mean, for them, it, it, I'm not trying to trivialize the hurricane. I'm saying that the football team itself has been able to get out there and go hit each other and not have to worry about things like yeah. class and home and all that kind of stuff. So they've been able to focus on football and getting the training camp after two football games, probably every coach's dream because they can correct as much as possible. Can we dis- and again, it's Scotty Montgomery doing the correcting. Can we discuss that Scotty Montgomery has elected to go uh, attempt field goals from 22 yards, 22 yards and 25 yards twice against uh, NCA&T? Not a lot of faith out there Bruh. in the business community. What are you doing? From 22 yards out, you can't... Whatever. They still lost. Fucking bums. He needs to get up out of the paint. Bring Ruffin back. Please. <laughs> ECU's a baseball school, and they're not even good at that. <laughs> ECU was a baseball they school. Were, they were a baseball school until Joe Janor took their soul. There's only <laughs> three good things that have ever come out of ECU. Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Sandra Bullock, America's Sweetheart. Haley Otten. And Haley, yeah. That was about the only three things I've heard from ever. We love Haley, but like... CJ2K. Uh, oh, oh, shit. Yeah, really. he's good. We but like they did produce too. Zay Jones, and that's... They uh, did produce Zay Jones. That's, that's negative. 374 college catches for 700 yards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, you thought that was a real stat, but it's... All, I mean, it's pretty true. I mean, I think he had like 18 catches for like 90 yards against USF once. <laughs> Like we said that Illinois was going to be a cakewalk. This should be a cakewalk. Like we, you can't anticipate 14 penalties when USF was averaging six per game. Correct. And you, I guess, I mean, I think it's time to discuss the press conference from yesterday. Buddy, what do you got? (laughs) So (laughs) we, I asked, we lying about players again, laid on me out in the streets. Who knows? All right. So, I asked, I asked coach, Vivinota traveled. Was he still sick? What was the decision there? Um, he said, we let Weiss kick because Jake Vivinota didn't kick in the second game. What? I will, I will attempt to play devil's advocate here. What? I will attempt it. So Demetrius Harris, Jamon Thomas, and Bentley Sanders are not going to play because they didn't play last week. Fro. The logic that Charlie's using on this one is correct. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead. So, Brian Bell's not going to play this week. Back yeah. At <laughs> yeah, none of, none of these guys, if they don't play, they will never play again. Weiss kicked pretty decently against Georgia Tech. Didn't take a field goal attempt. It, they were extra points. Uh, but the extra points, yes. But those extra points did look good. And I know this is coming from someone who kicked... Didn't make an extra point in, <laughs> in high school. You are you are our kicker expert, and yeah, those. I mean, this this is coming down to like the most minuscule things, and I really wish I was on the pod last week to kind of discuss this. The timing between the long snapper, the holder, and Weiss was on point that game, and that was something that most people ninety nine 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 point nine nine percent of people don't realize is that the communication between those three is very key, and the, he did very well stepping in there. He did. It just didn't very well stepping towards the ball and then putting his foot on it. That's yes, the he did terrible on these field goals, though. 
Which is strange because the timing is pretty much the same for the most part. You know, you take another like tenth of a second to, you know, kick it a little bit further. But I'm not entirely sure and I'm not sold on the fact that you don't let your kicker who has experience kicking field goals in the college versus your kicker who only kicked extra points in which Georgia Tech wasn't really trying to block the extra points. You know, that's that's one thing that Illinois was attempting to actually block these kicks. That's that's a little different than what Georgia Tech was doing with Weiss. Yeah, I just I mean, that just reeks of something happened to Vivanetto. That that my spidey senses went off on this. Um, yeah, you, you bring them and you don't play them. You wasted you a travel. Only bring 65. Remember that. It's no, not like you can bring whoever you want. You I only can bring 70. 60. It used to be 65. They might have uh, changed. I'll, I'll count. It that. was 65. The last time I had this problem was when we went to at Syracuse and they just lied to me about who was on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> they lied to me right before I went to Ireland. They said Bruce Hector was probable, but that's all right. <laughs> oh, that's right. Cause you were, I was, you talking yeah, to, that's right. Um, but like, yeah, they would, they would like hand us a travel roster and then they'd be like, Oh no, no, we're like, where's this guy? Like, Oh, he didn't make the trip. Then why is he on the travel roster? Why are you guys giving us such a hard time? <laughs> like, like, don't give us a travel roster then. Lie to us, Jerry. Slick Willie. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. We got, we got two guys on this campus who can kick. I'll go out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, special teams was, was nothing short of a disaster. I think is the best way to put it against Illinois. And that's not good considering special teams. Yeah, it's, it's 65. 65. Um, and you wasted four spots on a kicker. On kickers. That yeah. Seems less than ideal. Um, so you had Trent, you had Jake, you had Vevenetta, and you had Weiss. Yep. Which Trent apparently was had dealing yeah, with some sort of some hamstring issue. You, you know, we hope that that's not, you know, going to keep him out for any more than it should. But, uh, and then Jake stone comes in your reigning special teams player of the week for USF, which I, I don't know where they got that from, but <laughs> I mean, who else are we going to choose? I mean, there, there was literally no one else. Like horn didn't return any kicks, but can't had 12 yards returning total and punts and, and stone, give I guess to the L three or give it to the, Give it to the shield. Give it to the long snapper. Give it snapper. to the guy in the shield. Give it to the wedge. Something, like, but give it to somebody. You can't wedge anymore, but whatever. Yeah. That, I mean, I, I will say wedge. that was we. That was by far probably the worst special teams performance I have ever got to witness, and I missed 12 kicks in high school football. In that a was, row. In a row, and that is not even that close to how bad it was against them. Do you guys remember a game in 2007 against Auburn University? That, we made two field goals, though. Yeah, we were two, two for six. Was it two for six? Two for six. But and one of them was literally, like, from it was, here to my TV. Yeah, like, it was it was, it was like 19-yarder. <laughs> but it was, I remember freaking out, like, why the fuck are you kicking it again? We were and all then, And, well, you saw why. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I'm not entirely sold on the fact that we went for two on that last touchdown. There was no reason for us to go to two for that. What, to go up first? No, to, to go, go up 25? Yeah, you, you, you go, go up, up six, six for a touchdown. No, you go up six because in case you can block the extra point, you can keep the game tied. Okay, then, you know, yeah, but like, how realistic is their kicker, who is a damn good kicker? <laughs> Money. Yeah, but then if he's... But Money, McLaughlin. If the pressure's on him, I, I would... I, I would mean, we, we say, saw it on Sunday with the Cleveland Browns. That's true, yeah. 
So you know what? But that was from 35 yards. But yeah. you had the chance. Yeah, no. You should go for two there. That was yeah. the right call. It was the right call. It, it's the math on it. Being up by five, all that means is if they score a touchdown, then it's automatically it's, it's over. All right. yeah. it's already over. If okay, it, that's you're fair. up by six, so, then yeah. you still get a chance mathematically. I'll rescind my statement. You're, you're yeah. right. It's one of those things that was like, wow, that's six, and that oh, now we missed a field goal, so now we got to now we got to hold on for the defense, which yeah. gave us all. Heart palpitations. Um, yeah. So some other injury-related stuff. Durant. I guess they practice on Sunday. Durant Bell. He ran. Uh, they will be a later in the week match. decision. No, wait. No, actually, they they usually go on Sundays when they come back on from road games. They usually go on Sunday. They take Monday off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That. Yeah. So where was Elijah Mack and Trevon Sands in the second half? You should know that better than I would. I asked. He said, "Oh, we were just doing a rotation." So you bring in walk on Dave small. So I don't think he was one of the guys that got a scholarship. It was uh, Ladarius McBride and, and Davion Sutton. Where's Davion Sutton? He traveled. He was on the travel roster at least, but where's Trevon Sands and Elijah Mack in the second half? We didn't see them. So I, you know, when I asked coach, you said it was just rotation thing. Do you are you saying that Charlie Strong isn't always completely forthright and honest with you in press conferences? No, I mean, I don't get it, man. I mean, there, there's there's something there that we're never going to know. Right. It, and if we are, you know, honestly, a lot of times we're not even going to say it, but we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes, that you know, we got to, you know, there's reasons we might not share because whatever, we don't want to put the team at a competitive disadvantage, but like when they come out and just, it's just like, it's so bad when they just lie. Like, come on guys, just, you know, say, I can't tell you, or like, you know, we're keeping that, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, don't lie. All right, let's get, let's hit some, <laughs> let's hit some Twitter questions real yeah. quick. Will Barnett hit the 4,000 yard mark? This from Matt Galloway, 25. Uh, I think so. I think my 3,000 was conservative. We kind of touched on it already. Your hardest defense is Houston. And they gave up 60 to that glorified middle school in Lubbock. Yeah, so maybe their defense isn't as good. Uh, Cincy, maybe. Temple, maybe. I think the only game plan that we have against Houston, because their secondary is so god-awful, is do anything but run the ball at Ed Oliver, which well, should you know, be your game plan regardless. That's what we thought last year. Yeah, man. but, you know. No, we were trying to—we were setting them up for this year. That's the thing. We were like, oh, we're going to run it at Ed Oliver every time and then never do it next year. Yeah. Um. So— we missed this somehow from August that CMU replaced us on their schedule with New Mexico State. Um, there's a couple. We got a reason yet, by the way? No. Okay. Um, Florida State needs a game in 2019. That's probably not going to happen. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> uh, Florida plays two FCS teams next year. We don't have an FCS for next year. We do not. Right? So, so the, FCS, it's likely. Yeah. Please. Uh, Charleston Southern <laughs> used to be a... Fan favorite back in the mid out mid two thousands. What's the rule, Nate? Bad, bad. Always schedule bad, Find bad, 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 bad ones for sure. And we got lucky that it, we need it for next year and not in the next five years, where we can basically say, okay, what's the worst team in the FCS? Let's schedule them. How would you like four hundred thousand dollars to come to Tampa? Four hundred on short notice is going to cost us more than four hundred k to get somebody in the door. So okay, shorter the notice, the more you got to pay. Seven. Fine, Weird pitch. 425. Uh, Gary mentioned FAU has an open date next year. We start a home and home with them in 2020. Do you think it's mutually beneficial do to move that Lane, up? Do we want Lane or do we want Lane's replacement? I don't think. I, I Is Lane going to be there next year? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah this year isn't going to be good for out. them. He can't get out this year. 
you also have to look at the opening. Same with same with Charlie. There's we had a lot of hirings the past two years. There's not going to be a lot of openings. So yeah, back to uh, FCS bonus. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lu- Louisiana UAB UTSA on the another con- uh, out of conference game. So I, th- I think Mike Kelly probably <laughs> said it best. Um, For God's sake, how many do you want us to play in one year? I know everyone's wanting us to play another power five opponent to boost up our schedule and get us experience. No, 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 no. Eat your delicious cupcakes. We play BYU next year. We play Wisconsin next year. And by the way, BYU, huge win this weekend. Yeah. Like Sataki, like they were all, eh, maybe Sataki doesn't have to turn around. That team looks good. It looks like they can play. And when you have a bunch of 34 year old kids on your team, then it gets every <laughs> once in a while they turn out. They can play they a little turn bit. out decently. I it'll guess. be it'll be uh, Trevor Magna or Trevor Magnum's twelfth uh, year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean it's up there. No, oh no, Taysom Hill was. It's is Taysom Hill like Taysom Hill said the Saints now. No, no, Taysom, oh. no, he's still oh. at BYU. Oh, never mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Taysom <laughs> Hill was wait, there. He's not their special teams ace now. <laughs> doctor Doctor Taysom Hill MBA um, was there for I don't know most of most of my childhood. <laughs> I think. Yeah, <laughs> I listened on shutdown and they said that. Um, uh, Mangum was co Elite Eleven MVP with Jameis Winston. That's how long he's been there. <laughs> oh, oh my god! My god. <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, please, please, for the love of God, USF, please schedule an FCS opponent. Uh, Power Five is gonna do us no favors. Uh, yeah. Just please give us the worst. I FCS mean, even opponent. a mid card G five, I'd be fine with. No, eat your delicious cupcake. <sighs> eat a cupcake. You I just don't. Delicious cupcake. You said I just UTSA don't like, or UAB. That'd be great. I don't like the We're thought of a cash strapped <laughs> program giving out money for someone to come in here, like that much money, short notice, that kind of thing. Well, yeah, but we can still make money because we do still sell season tickets. Like you know, you do get money for every game that you host. Like, uh, I'm fine with you know if you, look. How good do you think USF's going to be next year? I think they could be very good. If something comes open with like a, a top SEC program and you can go on the road and get yourself $2 million and you want to take a swing, maybe even reschedule one of the other games that's already out there, okay, fine. Uh, maybe you can get Georgia Tech to push it back or something if you, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I'm other than – the, the capacity where you think you could compete to to be not only at the top of the bowl, but maybe even crack the playoff if you think you're that good and you want to go take a swing at somebody big, go ahead. But you know what? It's not going to matter because this conference is still going to be sucky. We're going to be playing teams and like ECU <coughs> and Tulane and UConn next year too. And next year. Your, and that's we'll, yeah. Next year will all depend if Blake is here or not. Yeah. And it, there's yeah. distinct possibility. He could be like a fifth round flyer. And he's already got his degree. I mean, like, you know. He's got a kid. He's got a wife. He's, and he's fifth round money is uh, a lot of money. It's, it's nothing to sneeze at. And he's, sure. I think it's kind of clear that he can, he can, but yeah, I think the pill a little I bit. I think if Blake is smart, he might be able to swing that fifth round flyer to something higher, especially when you play in someone like Wisconsin, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of teams that watch Wisconsin film his ceiling's a lot higher than, say, if it was like Mike White who said, if I stay another year, do you think I'll get a couple rounds higher? I yeah, mean, thank God he got out. Yes. Oh, yeah. praise praise whoever you A quick shout out to. to Mike White on the on the TDS blog. I mean, he's so lucky. Yeah, he finally he's so out. lucky that he got out. I think he knew it was coming, too. Mm-hmm. No, I would, I would figure. Um, 
So I trust Mike Kelly to get the the right team and do the right thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I said. I hope you you know if it's a FCS short notice. I hope it's not writing a check that we really can't cash. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, we have a really good schedule out of conference. I mean, I'm okay with what it is now. If you replace CMU with a UAB, I think that's okay. Or yeah. if you brought an FCS, that's fine too. If it was last year, if it was this year, or if it was last year, I'd be like, yeah, go out and schedule whomever you can get. Get the best team on the board that you can. But next year, got a pretty good schedule already. Mm-hmm. And and this was the this is the last year of bad out of conference. Mm-hmm. You know, from here on out, it's way better from now until 2024. So we have at get, least one big name. Every on our schedule, year, every you've got somebody that's compet- you can be competitive with, and that'll give you a good opponent to test yourself against. Because it's all you can do in this league. Because when you know five year eight conference games are going to be against teams, you should throttle. And you know what? I didn't think about this, but FCS would be a home as opposed to an away, which is what CMU was. So you get a seventh home game, which could be could appease season ticket holders. Seventh home game for season ticket holders, they do pay the extra. You do charge. We do charge more for that. So yeah, but seven home games. Seven home games is a lot better than. You know, playing yeah. in Dublin. Yeah. <laughs> Disagree. Maybe we can get the Dublin game and the Scotty game. Maybe we can figure out a way to make that work. Bring an FCS school to Dublin with us. <laughs> wait, wait, no, no, no. Please, <laughs> he, please. Warren I-4, Dublin, Iowa. Oh, Jesus. Oh. D- Dublin, Ireland. <laughs> Dublin, <laughs> Iowa. I don't want Dublin, Iowa instead. It'd be more fun that way. <laughs> but We can fight it in a cornfield. It'll be first, better. First of all, it's Dublin, Ohio. <laughs> Fair. So. Wrong on both accounts. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we've got two tickets to give away for this Saturday. I've gotten the winner. The winner is gynecologist at L Blanco Jay-Z. Congratulations. You just won two tickets to ECU. Eight o'clock. ESPN news. Be there, be square. Or, you know, just watch it on TV. Just watch care. it on TV. All right. We got to get out of here because I got to go get, get stuff done. What do we got? What's left? Non-Olympic sports. Not Olympic sports? Not volleyball's on there. Volleyball's on there. You know why? Because volleyball's 10 and 2, baby. Woo! Shout, shout out to Courtney Draper for getting her 100th career win. Yes, sir. We know we are 100% in the bag for volleyball. Friend, friend of the pod, Courtney Draper? Possibly next week we'll try and get her on here. They look good. They look good, man. Mm-hmm. They got players. They're balanced. Really like where they are. I did not get, obviously, I was in Chicago. I didn't get to see any of the games this weekend. But Be there Friday night. Uh, they open up conference play against UCF in the corral. Who? Be there. First War of I-4 game? You mean C? Yeah. C.FL? To be there. Yes. So they did drop a 5-setter to Charlotte. They've been really good in 5-setters this year, but they beat um, UNO and North Dakota. I'm actually wearing a North Dakota shirt right now from their Hockey National Championship. Mm-hmm. Um, but they won. I thought that was their day. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they did win two out of three this weekend. I have no idea how good Charlotte is. But again, the league is gettable because there's only two teams getting votes right now. So very possible that you can mix your way in there. No conference tournament. Best best out of 22 wins. And so that starts on Friday night. Yeah. Best and start since 1996. I had barely been in the country for like five months. So <laughs> good for them. I got here January 96. So that 96. So eight is, months. I was in the country for eight months. You're welcome. I'm going to nerd out here. That 96 team played was a host in the NCAA tournament. They played on the floor of the Sun Dome. I think it was the first time they ever did that. They hosted USC, who flew all the way across. Like, you get USC volleyball to come to your gym in the NCAA tournament. You're doing something right. 
Um, they got throttled. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fine. Um, for perspective, I was eight months old <laughs> when uh, when that happened. Uh, sophomore middle blocker Jaden Braun was named the AAC Defensive Player of the Week, and senior setter Brianna Stowell was named to the weekly honor roll on September 10th. This is a fun team. Now, this is this might be a team that I'm completing the bag for women's golf. New head coach Erica Brennan, I think, may have turned the corner. They set a new program, 18, 36, and 50 hole record, 54 hole record for their finish. Um, they led going into Monday's uh, finale, final round, but California Baptist shot a six under par and won, won it, but they came in second. They shot a two over. Uh, they finished their program record, 54 hole, 866. I mean, of course. Uh, they played at Mongolia Grove Crossings Golf Course in Mobile, Alabama. So it was the Southern, it was South Alabama's tournament. They had uh, Tulane, Southern Miss, Stetson, Little Rock, Arkansas State, UAB, UT Arlington. So freshman Ram, Ramya. Oh, here we go, Amy. <laughs> Minnakshadaram. I'm going to have to contact coach and figure out how to <laughs> say that. Um, I thought, I honestly thought Connor was just putting, oh no, when I saw women's golf tweet out her name, I was like, that's not a real name. <laughs> you you made that. Like there's, there's gotta be like an autocorrect or something, but that is her name. She tied, uh, she finished second in the 93 player field at four under in her, their, her debut. Uh, good for them. Men's golf. Uh, they finished fourth in the Louisville Cardinal challenge with, uh, I mean, Duke ran away with it. It was, uh, it was early on. It was the Billy Madison when Bradley Whitford plays like the the violin or something, and Billy Madison tries to play the clarinet, and he stops after like two notes, and he goes, "He's good." <laughs> like Duke was out in front. They finished thirty seven under par. USF finished fourth at eight under par. So uh, I just uh, crunched the numbers and uh, looked it up. Um, there's no like one through. It looks like it's uh, it's two hundred and. 50 or 263 it looks like there's 263 division one golf women's golf teams and usf is 155 and you know i would have expected that to be a lower number so good for them because that that program uh, along with track and field and cross country have just been kind of in shambles for the better part better part of a decade yeah And and good for them um Women's tennis, uh, they enjoyed a trip to the Bahamas over the weekend. Freshman Selin Yalala. Yalali. Sorry if I mispronounced your name. Uh, Laura Penciller Perello and sophomore Evelyn Tyron and junior John V. Clark all picked up singles wins. Uh, so good for them. They'll head to the Rice Invitational taking place in Houston next weekend. Men's tennis opens up their fall season on Friday. Cross country participates in the Mountain Dew Invitational on Saturday in Gainesville. The 13th ranked sailing team continues the fall season at the Sugar Bowl Regatta on Saturday and Sunday in New Orleans. We're playing wow. in the Sugar Bowl, baby. We uh, we, co- we covered everybody there. If we got to the sailing team, we're covering yeah, 13th everybody. ranked sailing team. They beat Navy like last year for a national championship. That is a like that. big deal. You beat the professional the people that are going to do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> you beat the professional boaters on a boat. You did good. So good for them. Any last things you want to get into? Yeah, I, I think Bulls win big this weekend, uh, especially with the bye week coming up. Give you a chance to rest, get healthy. So Get through this one, hit each other hard, and then get a few days off, which is probably what they're looking for. We'll see where they are at the third poll. ECU's not good. 
I expect a big Bulls win this weekend, and it's nice to see this team get through what I think we all thought was going to be the harder part, you know, to get through early. And then now you're going to get a few weeks to sort of work on some things. You get a bye week, and then you get UMass, and you get Tulsa, who are both pretty bad. And you get UConn, who's horrendo, and then the schedule kicks back up again. Now we got to start playing football. Yep. Um, so they'll, I think they'll enjoy their bye week. We may not see Duran Bell because, hey, there's a bye week next week. Sure. Why not? Why not? Um, you saw, I mean, Kronk, Kronk played Kronk played well enough that I don't think we need Bell. Right. And, and uh, Dave Small, I guess. Yeah, maybe. We'll see him a few times. So and, uh, two things to note for the game. First one, we're pretty good at home. Haven't <laughs> lost very much at home recently, so... That's something to note. And also going to be a big shout out to USF for doing the uh, the extra yard for teachers. Something near and dear. My mom's a teacher. So uh, this is something that, uh, you know, supporting teachers is something that we should all be doing. They're teaching the future youth of our America. And then why is everybody on Twitter so stupid? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but uh, USF, USF doing this is, is big and it's it's something great. And, you know. If you ever get the time, you know, the teacher's always looking for donations. Reach out to your friends and and see if they need any. I books bet or you anything. have multiple teacher friends. Yeah, we you all know. do. Like it's impossible think, yeah. to go to USF and not have teacher friends. That's, that's and, it, a true and statement. you can get a lot of the paper and pencils and everything like that for less than ten dollars at a dollar store and give an entire classroom filled with you know everything they need for less than ten bucks. So you know this is this is a good chance to do some good in our community with uh, the extra yard for teachers. You've been listening to the Bluminati podcast presented by RP Electrical Solutions LLC. You can contact them at 813-949-2390. Again, 813-949-2390. For all your commercial and residential electric needs, they will put up your fixtures for you. They will rewire your house. They'll make sure your house doesn't set on fire if you happen to live in South Tampa and everything's 100 years old. Kiss my ass! That's RP Electrical Solutions. At 813-949-2390. And find them on Facebook at... RP Electrical Solutions, LLC. Uh, that's it. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls.